Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We hope you guys had a great week. And we are in part two of 10 tips to help you work through conflict. So if you haven't already listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that and then join us back here for part two. So just to recap, number one through five, which we covered in the last episode, the first tip was to choose the right time and place. Number two was check your mindset before going into the conflict. Number three was to use I statements. Number four was to practice love, which is a tool that we talked about in a whole episode on its own in the past. And number five was to stay focused on the issue at hand. So jumping into number six here, one of the things you want to be aware of when you're in discussions with people and your partner in particular is being open to compromise, meaning that a lot of times people kind of will draw the line in the sand and they're going to duke it out and battle it out because they don't want to cross that line at all. But most of the things in your relationship are things that you actually can take time and you can test them to see if they work or not. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we have this theoretical idea of how something will work out, and it seems like it's such a great and fantastic idea until you actually start to implement it. And then when you implement it, you realize it's not really giving me the benefit I originally thought it would, or it's too complicated, or it's too difficult, so then actually I'm not doing the thing that I originally thought I wanted to do. And so when it comes down to compromise and you're having a hard time picking, should we do it my way? Should we do it your way? Sometimes it may be like, hey, why don't we do a test? We can compromise. We can try yours first for a little while. And if it works wonderful, great. But then if after a couple of weeks or a month, it's not panning out the way we had thought, then can we try my way? Or can we split the hair down the middle some way? Is that maybe some way we can take both of our ideas and meld them together in some way and then come out somewhere in between of our two ideas? Now, you can't always do that because sometimes you do have to choose one idea or the other. But being open and willing to test things and be very careful about having that mentality of my way or the highway. Because a part of the wonderful thing about being married to somebody who's so different from you is they have wildly different ideas sometimes that you may never have thought of yourself that may come out with wildly different or better results than you ever could have considered. But you have to be willing to take a risk to go down a direction that you wouldn't necessarily normally go. One of my favorite examples I like to give now is I'm not very high in openness to new things, but Ruthie, you are very high in openness to new things. And I have become more open to new things as a result of our interactions because I've seen so much how, oh man, that new thing that I would have never tried before Now I tried it. Oh, that was really, that worked out really well. Maybe I could try this other new thing and see if that will work out well for me. And that's a part of the benefit of being married to somebody who can be very different from yourself is that they can open you up to new perspectives or new ideas or new ways of experiencing things that can work out in better ways than you can imagine yourself. And so part of that is to acknowledge that both partners' opinions are valid. And by being willing to test things out and to compromise on things, that really does show that, you know what, you have great ideas that I don't have, or you might have a solution to things that I haven't even considered. And I think that happens a lot in our relationship, where Tim does something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not even think of that or consider that. And so I think it's easy to think that we have the answers or this is the way I want it to be done. But in reality, 
your partner probably has really great ideas that you won't ever know about unless you're willing to listen and to test things out and then to find a compromise between the two of you. And that's really important for a healthy relationship is to have that compromise. Otherwise, you're consistently picking one person's side or one person is making the decisions all the time. And even though the other person may seem like, oh, it doesn't really matter, if it does matter to them even a little bit, consistently picking your side and never giving the option or never giving their voice validity can really cause resentment and make them feel like they're undervalued, they're not worth it, they're not good enough. And this is something definitely to watch out for because I think some personality types are more apt to just kind of eating their feelings and not saying anything out loud about how they want to do this or that or the other thing. And so it can really fly under the radar and then the other person can be surprised by that one day when their partner might kind of blow up or be very upset feeling like they're never heard or anything like that. And so if you feel like you're on easy street and you're always getting your way... <laughs> You may want to do a little bit of a check-in with your partner and say, hey, do you feel like uh, any level of bitterness, like your perspective isn't heard or that you don't ever get your way or anything like that? And that could be a scary thing for somebody who's currently always getting their way to venture into. But if that is something that's brewing, it's always better to deal with that thing at the beginning. One of the major problems that couples have as far as when we're working with them in couples therapy is they always wait too long to come in. If they would have come in earlier when they weren't able to solve a problem right at the beginning, really they would only have to come in for a couple of sessions and we'd resolve the issue, send them on their merry way. But normally what happens is couples wait until they're at the brink of the end of their relationship to come in. And so it's much harder for them to work back from that. Don't worry about upsetting the apple cart there. Just make sure you're checking in with your partner and just making sure that they feel like the relationship is equitable and their voice is heard and that they're getting a fair chance at their way as well. Number seven is to keep your emotions in check. And so make sure that you are staying calm. Make sure that you're watching your tone, your facial expressions, your body language, all of that. Because that could really halt a conversation. A lot of times we immediately go into a conflict defensive, which raises the emotions even higher. And people are escalating and getting more and more frustrated. And so when we talk to our kids about things, we talk to them about having a calm voice, a calm face, and a calm body. And I think that's also a really good suggestion in relationships. Because what happens is somebody maybe will say everything with their face, and then the spouse will react and get upset. And they're like, I didn't even say anything, when really their face showed everything. And I think a lot of times people also take this idea of, I'm a hot-blooded so-and-so, or I just have a short fuse, right? There's no biological reason or ethnic reason why you might be hot-blooded or anything like that. Basically, being in control of your emotions, it's like exercising. If you don't practice it, and I don't mean suppressing your emotions, but if you don't practice managing your emotions or learning different techniques on how to appropriately express or how to help yourself calm down and manage those emotions then you are much more likely to just have that short fuse. But you can definitely lengthen that fuse. You can cool that blood down by learning several different techniques on how to manage those emotional expressions. And one of the big things is making sure that you're trying to communicate how you feel early and often. The longer you wait to communicate it, the more likely you are to have somewhat of an explosive response. And when things are getting a little too heated, make sure you take that pause like we talked about, where you take a break and you return to the conversation after the time that you guys had agreed to. And with keeping your emotions in check, 
What I really recommend to my clients is to make sure that you are not just managing your emotions throughout the conversation, but that you're going into the conversation wanting it to succeed and setting it up for success. So that means you're not walking into this conversation or this conflict with your arms crossed and your eyebrows raised and you're already scowling at your partner, but softening your voice, softening your face, softening your body language, right? Because that goes back to what Tim was talking about in the last episode. Some people go into a conflict just wanting to fight and just wanting to argue and really remembering that your goal is to come out of this conflict together. And that may mean hold hands, grit your teeth, and go through this together. But ultimately, you're on the same team. You don't want to be fighting against each other. And so starting that conversation off right and starting it off strong and on the right foot, rather than already having an uphill battle. Number eight is agree to disagree. In some cases, you may not be able to come to a common understanding or to convince your partner that what you're thinking or what you're saying is correct. And there's many, many times where you don't actually have to come to an agreement on something, especially when it comes to arguments about an opinion or if you're talking about politics or if you're talking about some level of deeper theological discussions, those things that don't necessarily require an agreement for you guys to move forward. It's okay to agree to disagree and just have this understanding that they can have an opinion and a perspective other than mine. And it doesn't mean they don't love or they don't care about me. It just means they might think a little bit differently than I do. And what we talked about in the section for compromise is that having that difference of opinion or ideas can actually be very beneficial to you because it can open up your eyes to different perspectives and different ideas and how they can work out in better ways than how you originally envisioned them. And so being able to agree to disagree is helpful because if you guys are in agreement all the time, probably there is one person who's not actually sharing their opinion. And they might not be sharing their opinion because whenever they do, they might get clubbed over the head for it. And so you got to be very careful about that, especially when you're just talking about general things that don't really matter a whole lot. Hey, I prefer this movie or, hey, I prefer that movie, something along those lines. But if it becomes this battle to the death. Now, some people do have this idea where they just enjoy debating and debating is fun for them. But you got to make sure that your partner's on the same page with you about that. Oh, we're just debating and it's just fun to debate. And that's totally fine. If you're both down for that and you just want to debate and it's fun and there's no hard feelings at the end of the day afterwards, by all means, go ahead. But if at least one of you isn't on board with that and the debate feels like it's this constant grind or they feel like they're constantly being attacked for having a difference of opinion, that's definitely a problematic thing to have in the relationship. Number nine is to practice forgiveness. There's a quote that I really like, and it just says, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. And I think that's a really powerful and true quote because we're human, and so we're not going to be perfect. And the best place to be is in a safe marriage where there is forgiveness. Not only is it a place where you can ask for forgiveness, but a place where you are so quick and willing to forgive the other person. And I think a lot of times people are almost afraid to do forgiveness because they almost feel like, well, if I forgive them for that, then I'm letting them off the hook and then they're more likely to do that in the future. But the problem is you're going to be in this relationship for a long time. And the more bitterness and resentment you hold on to, the heavier and more difficult the relationship gets. So being good at forgiving is definitely a necessary part of having a good, healthy, long-lasting relationship. And part of forgiveness is knowing that it's not a one-time thing, but sometimes you can forgive and then something rises up and you choose to forgive again. And it really is a choice that you need to make day in and day out. 
and that forgiving them again is not going back to them and necessarily re-letting them know, hey, I forgive you for that bad thing you did to me. But in your own mind, you just say, you know what, I forgive them again. Or you can even make it a prayer. God, I forgive them. I let go. I release the anger or resentment that I have to them over that situation. And you may have to do that for a long period of time until that situation stops popping up into your mind. And so I think a lot of times people have this misconception about forgiveness is, oh, well, I said I forgave them or in my mind I thought I forgave them. But forgiveness is really trying never to bring the weapon of that memory back into the conversation again. And there's actually a good old adage that I really like, which is bury the hatchet. Now, I'm sure all of you have heard that, but you may not know where the origin of that comes from. And burying the hatchet basically means is that when you're going in to negotiate with another group or another tribe, you bury your hatchets outside of the settlement so that your weapons are not easy to access. If during the course of the negotiations, things go sideways, you can't just easily pull it out and start fighting with each other. It's something that's far away. It takes time. We have time to think and to calm down before we got to it. So when you're thinking about these wounds or these frustrations that you're trying to forgive your partner for, that's the idea you should have in your mind. This thing should not be easily accessible to me. It should be far away. I'm going to try as hard as I can not to use it as a weapon in this current discussion or frustration or hurt that I'm experiencing. I'll just talk through what I'm feeling now and not bring that old thing back up anymore. Oh, I totally agree. And that's such an important piece for you to bring up. And I know we talk about resentment a lot on here, but that's because resentment is such a dangerous thing in your marriage. And that resentment and anger can harm the relationship in the long run. And so if you can handle things and really work through things and learn to forgive, it creates a safer place and a healthier marriage in the long run. And this isn't dependent on your spouse. This isn't dependent on if they forgive you or if they're deserving of forgiveness or if they're repentant and sorry for what they did. You have the choice to forgive regardless of how they're responding or regardless of their perspective or attitude on the situation. And there is another quote that I really like that goes along with this, and it says, the act of forgiveness takes place in our own mind. It really has nothing to do with the other person. And although it does, right, it's not dependent on them. And so like Tim said, when we choose to forgive again and again and again, we're not going to go back to them every single time and bring up the past and say, hey, I'm choosing to forgive you again today. But you're choosing in your own heart and mind that forgiveness and to let go of things and to move forward. So number 10 is reflect and learn. After resolving a disagreement, you want to take some time and reflect on the conversation and identify what you can learn from the experience. And this is such a very important thing because one of the major problems that relationships run into is that they keep having the same conflict over and over again. If you don't do a postmortem on the conflict and figure out where did this go wrong, what was the major problems that happened here, and then you don't try to reverse engineer that and look at it and say, okay, this area is where we had a problem, so how can we change this dynamic here to move it in a more healthy way so that when this comes up, Instead of this being a problem, now we have the automatic solution to this. Because the truth is, in your long-term relationship, you are going to run into the same problem multiple times. And if you don't figure out a solution to that, you're constantly adding on additional hurts and frustrations into the relationship. But if you can solve it, you're injecting a feeling or sense of hope and optimism into the relationship. 
Oh, for sure. I think this is a missing piece in a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships. Because once a problem is quote unquote resolved, people don't want to bring it up and talk through it again and debrief what happened and how can we prevent this in the future because they're afraid to have a fight again. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to fight again. And so they tiptoe around it or they just stay far away from it. They don't really debrief and talk about it. And debriefing is such a valuable tool. And this will help you grow as a couple and navigate the future disagreements more effectively. And so our next episode is going to be about debriefing and specifically about using scripts to prevent future blowups. And so I know we just gave you a ton of information about how to approach conflict. And it's not necessary for you to try to take all of these tenets and try to cram them in all at once. But just take a couple at first and start working at implementing them. And then as you get on a more firm foundation, start adding in a couple more of these ideas into your conflict until you get to a place where you're able to more regularly and fluidly utilize all 10 of these. And then you'll find yourself having dramatically healthier conflict throughout the course of your relationship. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.